Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. All right, you guys ready for some gospel? Let's get it, let's get it. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. We're going to just keep continuing on just jumping through the book of Acts here a little bit. Acts chapter 3. I was telling my son, I said, I'm going to preach a quick message, bub, and we're going to go. He said, how long? I said, about three hours. He said, no. <laughs> He's like, no. No, daddy, no. Oh, I feel a real annoying today, son. <laughs> Y'all don't know those preachers that used to have... Um, that real Pharaoh anointing. Y'all know what Pharaoh anointing was? You're preaching so long, you want to stand up and say, Pastor, <laughs> let my people go. <laughs> let them let go. I sent my brother a meme uh, this week, and it, it, I saw it somewhere on social media. I screenshot it and sent it to my brother, and it has Kermit the Frog kind of sitting on a chair, kind of like this right here, and he got that crazy look to the side. And it says, when the pastor says, I'm getting ready to close, and somebody in the crowd shout, take your time, Pastor. <laughs> I'm like, wow, man. Take your time, Pastor. <laughs> and then you go to, you know, you go to some church, like, I'm getting ready to close. 20 minutes. I'm getting ready to close. Like, man, no, just, I'm getting ready to leave. I'm getting ready to leave, Lord. So I say, land the, land the plane, Pastor. You're running out of gas. You're going to crash. Land the plane, Pastor. But anyway, God is good. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Thank you, Lord. Acts chapter 3. If you didn't know it, we are called the Way Church. And um, we exist to be a family learning to live together in devotion. And our sole purpose is to host the presence of the Lord in our city. And as we do that, we're going to share and show the good news of Jesus Christ every day to everyone this is why we're here for. This is why we're here. We're going to learn about some of these things today. Acts chapter 3. Remember, everybody say this. Say the Gospels are what Jesus did. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John primarily are about what Jesus did and the life that he lived. The book of Acts, some Bibles call it Acts of the Apostles. That's, a, in my opinion, it's a, poor, it's, it's, a support, it's a poor title. It should be Acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. It's what the Holy Spirit did through those who recognized him. Can we say it that way? Through those who received the life of Christ. And so we're fixing to read about the first miracle of the church right here. And remember, these are not just quote-unquote Christians. These are people that have walked with Jesus for three and a half years, have heard his word, have believed on what they heard, and now we're having to live out by faith what they've heard. And so let's just dig into this. Acts chapter 3 verse 1. It says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. Now I know some of y'all don't believe this, but prayer is something that Christians do. Okay? For those of y'all who don't ever come to prayer. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. The ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried. Watch this. A certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, 
whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called what? Beautiful. Why did they lay him there? They didn't lay him there to pray. (laughs) He went to the prayer meeting, but he just didn't pray because he couldn't go in. But they laid him there to ask alms from those who entered the temple. And this man, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, what? Look at us. So the man gave them his what? Attention. One of the most important things you can ever give, by the way, is your attention. Expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, I love this man, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he, Peter, took him, the lame man, by the right hand and lifted him up and tomorrow his feet. You see that? And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, the man, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them. Now he would have, before this, he would have never been able to do that because of his condition. But he leaped up, stood, walked, and entered the temple with them, which to them, by the way, was heaven on earth. The temple to a Jewish man was heaven on earth. Do you understand that? When the Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away before one jot, it's not talking about heaven and the, and the planet. See how we read that in America? That is not what that means at all. He's saying, they're saying this temple will pass away before that happens. Understand something. He, he walks into the place that he would have considered heaven on earth with them, walking leaping and praising God and all the people saw him walking and praising God then they knew that it was he who sat begging for alms at the what gate of the temple and they were filled with what wonder and amazement at what had happened to him man I love to keep on there's some there's some good stuff up in here look at verse 12 look at verse 12 look at look at look at what Peter says here, I know some pastors, if they would have did this and that guy would have got healed, they'd have started passing out business cards. they come to my next revival service. Not Peter. Watch Peter. Watch, watch verse 12. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people because the people were amazed. He said, men of Israel, why are you marveling at this? Or why do you look so intently at us as though we by our own power or holiness made this man walk? This don't got nothing to do with how godly I am, he said. You want to know who did it? The God of Abraham. The God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, just glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when Pilate was originally determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just. Man, what a name for Jesus. You denied the Holy One and the just. That's the capital J, by the way. And you asked for a murderer to be granted to you in his place. Barabbas. And you killed the prince of life. How do you kill the prince of life? Well, you killed him. Let me, mess, let me use some bad terminology and grammar. But he didn't stay killed and he didn't stay dead. You killed the prince of life whom God raised from the dead of which we are his witnesses. 
And here's the power right here. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through Jesus has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Father, let your word speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Remember that Peter and John were first off disciples of Jesus. Which meant their minds had been shaped by Jesus Christ. Some people are Christians, but that doesn't make them disciples. Because a disciple is a person whose mind has been shaped by Jesus Christ. Because what you think matters. You hear what I just said? I said, what you think, how you think matters. The Great Commission was, go into all the world teaching them to observe the things I taught you. In other words, teach them the stuff I taught you. If you read the Bible, what did Jesus do for three and a half years? He corrected the way the disciples thought. First, he corrected how they saw the Father. You keep coming to the Father through Brother Moses. And you keep stoning folks. I'm telling you, there's a lot of stuff that's written in the Bible by Brother Moses that never was Abba's heart. Because our God doesn't kill. It is quiet up in this Baptist church today. So the God that plainly says thou shalt not kill, then you got all these commands to go kill everybody, even babies a lot of times. I love the Bible verse that says, but keep all the virgins for yourself. Y'all ain't read that one yet. Y'all ain't read that one yet. And we actually believe God said it, but anyway. The God who didn't become like Jesus, I'm talking about the God that Jesus said, when you see me, you see him. Our father didn't morph into one day from the old covenant to the new covenant. He didn't go from being a bad cop to a good cop. He didn't go from being a cosmic abuser to being a good, loving, heavenly father. I'm telling you, the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ has always been kind. And he's always been good. And he has always been just. And sin will never change that about him. As a matter of fact, when Adam sinned in the garden, sin changed Adam, but it didn't change Yahweh. And I know we like to use crazy statements like our God can't even look upon sin because we take scripture out of context. And anytime you take a text out of context, you're left with what? Con. And that's exactly what's happened to us in America. God never said, I can't look upon sin. He never said, he can't look upon. If God can't look upon sin, there's a whole lot of mistakes in the Bible. Because Jesus looked upon sin a lot. Matter of fact, Adam sins, and you see the father in a garden trying to find him. To look upon him. But what was Adam doing? Playing hide and go seek. As if you can hide from a person that knows where everything is and everybody is. Like... This is the God and Father of Jesus Christ. Jesus taught them first, I got to reshape what you think about God. He's good. He's kind. He's loving. God, the early church fathers taught this. God is 100% love plus nothing else. John wrote his gospel 80 years later after everybody else. 
You know what he wrote about him? After the disciples had been asleep for 40 years or more, John's still alive. You know what John wrote? John said, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. That, that, that revelation wasn't even around when the other disciples were alive. He, Jesus redefined how they saw the Father. You were taught that sin separates you from me. But Jesus says, no, watch me. I'm going to embrace the leper. I'm going to let the prostitute touch me. I'm going to go to the tax collector's house and eat with them. Big no-no. I'm going to meet the Samaritan Roman at a well because you still let races divide you. I wonder if we still struggle with that today. I'm going to call tax collectors to be a part of what I do and politicians. Jesus has political zealots a part of his discipleship team. (laughs) And they weren't Republicans and they weren't Democrats. Because God is neither of those things. Jesus reshaped how they thought. Remember the statements of Jesus? He said, Moses said to you in the law, watch this, he says, but now I'm saying to you. You you didn't mess with Brother Moses. You didn't mess with Brother Moses. Do you know why when Moses died, the Bible says, this is in the Bible, Don't throw no stones at me. This is in the Bible. God told Moses to go up on Mount Nebo. And God and Moses went on a walk and only God came back. Now you can determine what you want happened on that walk. But God and Moses went on a walk and only God came back. And when God came back, he said, Moses is dead. The lawgiver is what? He did. And to this day, nobody knows where the body of Moses is buried. The book before Revelation in the Bible, the book of Jude, says that Satan was arguing with Michael the archangel, trying to get him to tell him to tell me where you buried Moses. You know why? Because if I can get you to tell me where you buried Brother Moses, I know how those Jewish people love Moses. I'm going to try to bring him back to life. They would worship Moses' bones. So God will bury some stuff in your life so you can't even find it. So you have to go on. And God doesn't do that to hurt you. God does that to help you. Listen. Jesus was reshaping how they thought. First rethink what you think you know about God. I'm telling you, we don't find God until we get to the end of everything we think we know about him. That's when you find him. And then if you're like me, where you're filled with church and religion the first, you know, almost 30 years of my life. Do you know how many conferences I have been to in the last 15 years? And not one major conference that I have attended or served at did anybody preach on Jesus Christ. Listen to what I'm telling you. So reshape what you relearn, renew, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think differently about my father. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. Jesus was trying to teach them how to rightly view the scripture. Because if you take the scripture literally, you're going to get yourself in a mess. You go and sin and start cutting off your fingertips and your hands. You're going to be nubby Joe. You're going to get yourself in a mess. There's a lot of stuff. If you take it the way it's written, it will not help you. 
Let Jesus be the lens through which you view the scripture. He taught this to his disciples. These men watched Jesus go through a death, be buried, be resurrected. He shows up, spends 40 more days on the planet with them, Ben. The Bible says this, talking about things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't talk about going to heaven and trying to miss hell. We talk about that in America. Jesus just didn't spend a lot of time talking about that stuff. He mentioned being born again one time late at night when nobody was around. I just like messing with people. These men watched him be kind to prostitutes and kind to lepers and kind to tax collectors. And over the course of three and a half years, he was giving them a righteous brainwashing. He was renewing how they thought. Because they were disciples of Jesus. They, when Jesus said, come follow me, he wasn't just saying, walk behind me. He was literally saying the goal of a disciple, watch this, was to become in every way like the guy discipling you. Watch how they handled their money. Watch how they spoke to their spouse. Watch how they treated their kids. What you would mimic the way that they walked, everything. To the point that when people saw you years after your disciple was dead, they would say, I know you are a disciple of Juan Griffin because you are just like him. That's what Jesus was asking him to do. Do you know that when you read some writings, they actually say this right here that you could tell how good you did with following your rabbi that day if when you went home, if his dust was on your clothes. They could tell how, how closely you followed him. Isn't that amazing? Does the dust of Jesus' life in his travels, is it evident that we are following him because his dust is on us? These are men that for three and a half years followed Jesus. They climbed mountains with Jesus. They rode boats with Jesus. They were in graveyards with Jesus. They cast out demons with Jesus. They fed the multitudes with Jesus. They watched Jesus deal with the religious. And now they're on their own. Except they're not alone. They have the one called the helper with them. They've had a real Holy Ghost bomb go off in Acts chapter 2. Where the Holy Spirit literally indwelt them. Right as he does us now. And they're fixing to approach the temple. Even though they followed Jesus. They weren't so holy that they recognized they didn't need prayer. They were still going to prayer. And they go to the prayer meeting that day. And the Bible says this. Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. Being the ninth hour everybody say the ninth hour right and they went a certain man we don't even know his name a certain man who was lame from his mother's womb was carried there and they laid him daily at the gate of the temple and this gate is called what beautiful to ask alms for those who enter the temple now a couple of things i just want to pull from the passage today so i won't keep it for three hours like i told my son here we go There is a man who is lame from his mother's womb who's carried to this gate and laid there daily. I want you to know what, listen, I love details in the Bible. This man was lame, meaning he couldn't walk. Where did the issue first hit his life at? He was that way coming into the earth. Other people would pick him up and lay him at the temple gate. That was called beautiful. Beautiful. So he could ask alms. I want to say this. Some stuff 
we've had going on in our life since we got here. It's different for everybody. This man had an issue that the birth of that issue, the Bible says, you had this thing since you were born. I, wanna, I don't even know why I'm going here. I just, I'm, I'm going to go this way. In my family, I'm the first man in my, my immediate family between my dad and my brothers, even my dad's dad, to be married as long as I've been married, watch this, and not have an affair. Hold on. From my granddad, I don't know, but I don't know his dad. From my granddad to my dad to my brothers, all of them had affairs and just broken marriages. By the grace of God, they've been restored. But I want you to hear this. There's some things that go through lines that I, I, I enjoyed when I get a revelation of who Jesus is, that I get to the point that I can say, you know what, that buck stops with me. I'm telling you, like, this thing is not making it beyond me. Not in my, not in my line. Not in my line. This guy had this thing since birth. Went to a place where they were praying, not even with the intention to pray. Dealing with something since birth. Yet sees two preachers getting ready to go, or really two disciples, getting ready to go to prayer. They would have passed this guy probably for 30 years or more. Guess who walked past this guy on a weekly basis too? Jesus Christ. How often was he laid there? Do you think that Jesus went to the temple? Of course he did. Do you think that Jesus went to pray? Of course he did. Even Jesus saw this guy and walked by him. But Jesus said, I don't do nothing unless I see my father do it. Jesus would go and heal some people and not heal everybody else. He only did what he saw his father do. Watch this. And he didn't feel bad about it. But this time, these two men who just got filled with the Holy Spirit are getting ready to go to church, as it were, to a prayer service. Watch it now. And I'm going to just call him Brother Joe. Brother Joe sitting there. Asking alms. And Peter looks at him and says this. Look at us. Now this is interesting to me. In the, in the gospels, they would have been like, look at Jesus. Because Jesus was the man who had the Holy Spirit. Look at Jesus. Watch the transformation here. From this, you don't read from the book of Acts to the rest of the scripture. You don't read one miracle that Jesus ever did. Do you know why? Because the disciples of Jesus Christ did not view the life of Jesus as something that should be worshipped. They viewed the life of Jesus as a green light, giving them permission to watch this, to do the works of Christ themselves. So John 14 and 12, Jesus said, if you believe on me, the works that I do, what shall you do? Comma. And greater works than these shall you do. Because I'm going to my father. What? How am I going to do greater things than what you did? In America today, we think that being a Christian is go to church. Maybe we come to prayer, you know. Maybe we do an outreach or something occasionally. We read our Bible. You know, we don't cuss and we're moral. We're Christians. I'm telling you something. There is something dying to come through your fingertips. 
When is the last time that your life has blurred the line between normal and miraculous? Listen to what I'm telling you. When is the last time that heaven says, I'm making my way into your world today, Aaron, through your life? I want to throw the Bible so bad at you, Peter, right now, but I won't throw it. (laughs) Do you know there is not a lack of issues in our world? My God, get on social media for two minutes. Jesus blurred that line all the time, and he showed them how heaven was always a reality if people were willing to lean into it. Remember, let it be done on what? How? As it? Do you think this man is going to be lame in heaven? So here's the dilemma. Now, what do we do about it? Do we say, do we give him a Christian, American Christian version of the gospel? We say, well, brother, you'll get it in heaven. Or do we give him heaven on earth? A lot of us grew up with the mindset that we got born again to go to heaven. Talk about boring. If, 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 you, if you get born again to go to heaven, go jump in front of a car. You'll be there like that. That's not the point. And that's nowhere in the gospel that that's the point. It's always on earth as it is in heaven. And God says, I want to get my world through you. This guy has earthly issues that are real. But Peter and John see him, watch the transition. They didn't say, look at Jesus. Now they can say, look at us. Because Romans 8, the same spirit that rested on Christ is now living where? Inside of me. Look at us. You know, actually, you can tell people now, look at me. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, if you want to know what it's like to follow Jesus, look at me. I'll help you get there. They some people, they shouldn't make disciples because we don't need two of them. You know that person that just went through your mind. That's what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. They, we don't need two of y'all walking around here. Come, come on. Okay. That really, that right there, Pastor Josh, is good. They said, look at us. And the Bible says, I love this. He gave them his attention, expecting to receive something. Who were these men? Remember, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're followers of Christ. Peter was a businessman. Huh? John was a businessman. Remember, they were not pastors. They're businessmen. Could have been a plumber, right? Could have been a carpenter, right? These are not guys that Jesus saw preaching at the Jerusalem seminary and said, boy, you got potential. Come join my missions team. No, these are everyday people. And Peter looks at this guy and he says, you know what? Look at me. And I really want to look up that word fix. It says Peter fixed his eyes on him. Recognizes the issue and he says, Silver and gold, brother, I don't have none of that. I don't have none of that. But what I do have, I want to give it to you. Are you aware of what you have? Is it, for me, this is good for me. Like, am I aware of what I have? I'm not a producer of good church services. I'm a believer in whom the Spirit of God lives. The same spirit that hovered over a broken world in Genesis 1 lives inside of us. You are loaded. 
I'm telling you, you are pregnant with a capital P. Some of the women are like, no, no. My wife is she'd be like, no, not for me. I reject that word. Like, no, you are loaded. Come on, look down your row real quick. You have no clue what's sitting on your row. You have no clue what's sitting on your row. Because all you see is a body, but inside, inside of them are dreams, inventions, solutions, passions, creativity. Peter said, I don't have the thing you're looking for, which, which by the way, what you're looking for would only benefit you for your next meal anyway. I want to tell you something. This man had enablers. He had enablers. Every time somebody gave him a buck. They enable them. You're going to come back again the next day and do the same thing again. You got to watch people who give you what you want, but don't give you what you need. And I'm telling you, American Christendom is ripe with this. We give people a service that they want. We give them a sermon that they want. We, eat, we take the real burden of our faith off their shoulders and we try to make it easy because we think that'll give us larger numbers. I'm telling you, Jesus never made the message to be one of ease. Watch it now. Peter says, I don't have the stuff that you want, but I'm going to give you what you need. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. How rude is this to tell somebody to do something that you know they can't do? But Jesus spent three years telling people to do stuff they can't do. He told blind people, see. He told a lame man, he said, stretch out your hand. I'd be like, I can't. That's why I'm in this condition. No, I'm going to tell you what you know you need to be doing. I'm going to give you permission to do the thing that you think you can't do. Now do it. He told lame men, get up and walk. And it's as if the bones that he created knew the voice of the one that created them and just, okay. Jesus loved giving people permission to do things that their religion robbed them of. Get up and walk. Do what you couldn't do five minutes before this. And he said, it's in the name of Jesus. And Peter takes him by the hand, snatches him up, and immediately his ankle bones receive strength. And this brother didn't wait to hear a sermon. He didn't wait for an American altar call. It says, leaping up, stood, he walked into the temple, and he went into a praise break. Now, some of y'all don't even know what the term praise break means. Anyway, he threw down. He had church, right? I would have liked to have been there to see the face of Peter and John. It's the first miracle they've done after the resurrection. They're probably thinking, this works. Did you see me, John? I'm the man. Did you see me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm going to start Rise Up and Walk Ministries. It's crazy. Go to FedEx and get me some business cards made. No, I'm telling you. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus. Peter took him by his hand and raised him up. He leaps up, walking, and goes into the house of God. It says that everybody saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was him who sat begging at the beautiful gate. This is interesting. 
If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. I'm going to pronounce it um, wrong, but the word beautiful in the Greek is, is the Greek word hureos. It's like H-O-R-A-I-O-S, something like that. But it means time or like hour. He's laid at a gate of time, but every time somebody was going by that gate before, it wasn't the right time. But in, there was something special about this moment. It was the right time when Peter and John saw him. And I just want to say this, man. We're fixing to cause the collisions of two worlds. Heaven and earth. Boom, head-on collisions. You can find people. And I'm telling you, you can release something through a word. It could just be a word of encouragement. It might be you buying somebody, you know, a bottle of water. But you can cause the collision between two worlds and you can make it be the time for something. And it wasn't that time five seconds before. Jesus Christ, John chapter 2, the first miracle of Jesus. He turns water into wine. They run out of water. Jesus had no intention on changing the situation. But his mom comes in and says, Jesus, they don't got no wine. You know, what he tell, you know what he tells his mom? First he says, woman. Right? <laughs> Boy. His mom was not Lumbee Indian. I'm just telling you what. That, I'm, t- I'm just telling you. That woman, he said, what do I to do with you? M- my mom would have powerbombed, DDT, suplexed, something. Dusty rubbing, just something. He says, woman, what do I have to do with you? I'm like, well, that was very savior-like talk, Jesus. No. Then she says, they don't got no wine. And he says this. Even though it wasn't his time for ministry, he did it. She, by faith, pushed Jesus into starting his earthly ministry. And it wasn't time. I'm telling you, you can see people that you, every day in your life, I mean, they're everywhere. It's like they're waiting for something to happen. Why not be that conduit for that thing to happen? You've heard me say this. I try to pray for, I haven't done it the last three days just because I've been doing random stuff. I try to pray for at least one person outside of church every day of my life. But what it has afforded me is a bazillion testimonies. And some are really funny. Some are quite scary. They're always quite risky. Because the people in 7-Eleven don't care about your sermon. They don't care about Acts 3. Right? The people at Home Depot don't care about that stuff. They could care less about it. Right? The lady at Subway didn't care much about it yesterday when I was there either. Three times that I went. Jesus' name. But it's amazing how being kind to people becomes a sermon. By the third time I left and I encountered that lady, you know what she said? She said, have a blessed day. Well, you wasn't acting like you wanted me to have a blessed day the first two times I was in here. As I had on my waist shirt, it was fun, church shirt, but anyway. We are going to see people and we are going to, by faith, usher them into, watch this, a new time in their life and they don't even know it. You know what happened to you two guys when I ever when you start telling me what's happened since you started coming to church and you joined this family and you started actually hearing raw gospel, your time of your marriage shifted. Man, when I hear when Catherine starts telling me about I, your time shifted. 
you two right here, your time shifted. That gate for years wasn't beautiful to him. It was actually quite ugly. But he was laying at a gate of time and didn't know it until somebody came who actually knew how to shift time in another realm. And that's what those boys did. And I'm telling you, we are shifting times for people. Listen. So I'm looking for people that have lame situations in their life that we can say, I can make you walk in that area. If you haven't never walked up to somebody that has an impossible situation and said, can I pray with you and let's believe God right now to do it, you at least need to try to do that on a pretty consistent basis. Miracles are always on the other side of faith obedience. But the reason, I'm beyond, the reason we don't see a lot of them is because it always seems risky. Just being honest with you. So I'm not going to put myself out there for something, and if it don't happen, what? You just told me that you are looking at yourself to do that, not Jesus when you said that. And you know what's going to go through your mind? Well, I didn't read my Bible this week, so God ain't going to do it. Me and my wife had an argument this week, so God's not going to do it. I cussed in traffic. Whatever, you pick your thing. Rather than what Peter said. Peter said, hey, when people begin to come in, you know what Peter said? Don't look at us like we did it. That's a man of God. He said, I didn't do this by my own power, and it definitely wasn't by my own godliness because I was cussing four days ago. Peter was. Remember that? I was just cussing. So it wasn't by my own godliness. I was cussing as they're getting ready to take my Savior away. I was cussing. This is Peter. And yet God uses Peter, cussing Peter, to preach the first sermon of the church in the book of Acts and uses cussing Peter to do the first miracle in the book of Acts just as a sign and a witness to us that I'm not looking for you to be perfect. I'm not looking for you to have it all together. I'm not looking for you to live this perfect, sinless life. And if you arrive at this imaginary point, then maybe I'll use your life to do something. Yes, he cussed. Yes, he even denied Jesus three times. In his own way. And Jesus said, I'm going to show you that what your sin abounds, Peter, my grace still much more abounds. Your very thing, Peter, that always got you in trouble, which is your mouth. I'm going to use your mouth and I'm going to use it to bring redemption. I'm going to use your tongue, Peter, to shift moments of time for people. Can you believe me for this, Peter? Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church, or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.